Hello, welcome to the Electric Theory Podcast. My name is Gina Shear and I am your host. The Electric Theory's mission is to empower global pioneers and ignite diversity in thought. We fuel innovation and resilience to enhance people's well-being, help people reach their full potential, and foster a culture of lifelong learning and growth. Welcome to the show. Today's guest is Brenton Phillips, a seasoned entrepreneur with over a decade of experience in entrepreneurship. In 2014, he co-founded Tribal Juice in Dallas, Texas, followed by the establishment of Tribal All Day Cafe in 2018. In 2020, he co-founded Written by Hospitality with its flagship restaurant, Written by the Seasons, also in Dallas. Written by the Seasons will open its second location in the Quadrangle in Uptown Dallas in fall of 2024. With more than 20 years in hospitality and a decade in customer packaged goods, Brenton has successfully handled everything from USDA, FDA audits to launching ideas from concepts to store shelves. Notably, he skillfully navigated the challenges of the pandemic, maintaining an existing restaurant while successfully and ambitiously opening a new one in 2020 and in 2021. Please help me welcome Brenton Phillips. We have 24 hours a day. Organize your day. Work hard. I'm here to talk about success. Today, I have the absolute privilege to sit down with Breton right here. Breton, thank you so much for joining the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited for this. It's been a long time coming that I've wanted you on here. And I think for myself personally, it's very special because we met 10 years ago. Did you know that? That's crazy. When I look back at your bio, I was like, wow, (laughs) you started Tribal Juices in 2014. Yeah, that's wild. So literally 10 years ago. A decade that's, flies. That's wild. For those of you that don't, our listeners that don't know who you are, or maybe haven't been to one of your restaurants, or maybe tried one of your juices, I want to jump into your story. Let's walk down that 10-year path Ooh, of man. what that's looked like. And maybe even before that, you've been in hospitality for a while now, entrepreneur for longer than that. So I don't know a lot of your background personally, yeah, and I'm excited to hear it. Okay. So coming out of high school or college, whatever, let's start there. Man, coming out of high school, it's getting, it's, it's weird to say that I met you 10 years ago. It's almost weirder to say it's been like 20 years since yeah. high school. That feels weird. Yeah. Um, man, I, out of high school, I didn't, I was kind of one of those people that I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I, okay. I got my first, uh. My first job in a restaurant when I was 14, and I was running food. What restaurant was that? Noodles Italian Kitchen in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Yeah, shout out to Noodles. Did you grow up in Arkansas? I did, yeah. Fayetteville. You, you ever been? Yes, I have. Yeah? I prefer Bentonville, honestly. Okay. But Fayetteville is a cool area. I, I prefer Bentonville, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, no knock on Fayetteville. I love Fayetteville. But anywho, yeah, I got my first job as a food runner. Um, I worked at restaurants all throughout high school and college. Always played football, sports, ran track, and then uh, played for a brief time in college football. And then uh, wasn't really for me, or you know, just didn't wasn't quite hacking it. My now wife uh, and I kind of just at the time we were always doing things together, like in terms of work, uh, and we had all these just entrepreneurial ideas, and we were always kind of driven by the hospitality side of like that's what we wanted to do, and. 
it just one thing led to another. We worked for numerous companies together and you never really know the right time to jump off the uh, entrepreneurial bridge, so to speak. Um, That's kind of a bad analogy, but. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's a daunting one at that. So let's just be honest. Yeah, <laughs> Call you, it what it is. Exactly. And you hear, you know, you talk to people in the industry and everybody, oh, it's such a tough industry, mm-hmm. you know, blah, 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 which it is, uh, but everything is. Um, so, yeah, my entrepreneurial spirit's always been there. My buddy and I in high school, we used to, like, have a dance club, <laughs> like, senior year of high school. Uh we would, we would go and... <laughs> That's super random. How did that even come about? Whenever you're in high school, it's like, well, what do you do? You get these lame parties. And there was like this little club that was catering to like under 21 people. And we would, all of our friends would go. And then we were like, man, we should just go to this place. We had a band too. And so we were like, let's just go to this place and where we, our band would play. And we'll ask this guy to do the dance club here and we'll make the cash. So we'd pass with flyers at school. And, That's awesome. And, and anyways, I mean, we made... It lasted for probably like a quarter of the year, but back then it felt like a century, you know, time. Were you charging for? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, covered charges. It was was a funny bit. So just kind of always doing my own thing. And then Haley and my, Haley's my wife. We were really just like, what is our vehicle, so to speak, for hospitality? Because, you know, there was never like a desire to open an Italian restaurant Mm -hmm. or, or what was that? Or, you know, just a really just super niche place. Yeah. And so we really both, like oddly, we were living um, in Santa Rosa Beach, Florida at the time. And we, we just, uh, we really got into this, this juice bar and juice became like a big part of our life. I mean, I was drinking two to three juices a day and, and smoothies and, and this place was like really vegan centric. And uh, that was kind of like, Hey, I think that this, that we want to do this. And Looped in with that, just the hospitality nature of both of us. We thought that we could be really successful in it. Um, the question was where, how, right? all the things that will stop you if you're listening to this from becoming an entrepreneur, like how does it all fall into place? Um, yeah. And so just trying to figure those things out was, was a big piece of the hurdle. And then we ended up deciding that we were going to move to Dallas through, it's a lot longer of a story than that, but we came to Dallas. What was the main reason for coming, coming to Dallas? So at the time, we had a sex appeal list of cities, <laughs> a practicality list, yeah. and that's just what we called it. With our then kind of partners, we were, we were like, well, where are we going to go? And and so we were visiting places and trying to act like we lived there. Mm-hmm. Dallas was definitely close to my family, who's in Arkansas, yeah. as we discussed. Um, Haley has a twin sister that lives here, and so it was. It just kind of checked all the boxes, and, right. and honestly, I f- I feel like. Dallas doesn't get the love it deserves as a yeah. city. It so, may may be starting to now. Like I feel like it's very overpopulated now. But ten years ago, or whenever you were moving here, it definitely was underrated at that time. Oh, for sure. And yeah, like you said, it just keeps growing. And and so yeah, we spent some time here, enjoyed it. And a cool part of our story is that you know our first our first brick and mortar. This is post meeting you, the Tribal Cafe and Bishop Arts. If you haven't been, you should go. We were living in Florida, actually, and we, we came to visit uh, through a mutual connection. A real estate guy was driving us through, like, all these different areas. You know, he's going, taking us to Highland Park, Lover's Lane. Yeah. This is where you might want to be because we never really anticipated on launching a, a juice line that went to stores. We mm-hmm. always wanted the brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. Um, and we drove down Bishop Avenue, and it was, like, kind of like a last stop. Like, you guys might like this place, but it's nothing. And – 
as soon as we pulled onto Bishop Avenue, we were both like, this is where we want to be. And that was in 2013 or 2012, actually. And the real estate guy was like, no, you don't. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because it was not what it is today. It's quite a bit different. I mean, it was Oak Cliff, not Bishop Arts at the time. Yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's a good way to put it. And then we got to Dallas, launched the juice company and like a farmer's market circuit. Every Mm -hmm. farmer's market we could get into, every event. I mean – we were at every fitness store, Lululemon, bar. I can't remember all the places we were at. It just, well, that's it, how we met. Yes. Because at the time, I was a CrossFitter at CrossFit Sirius in Richardson. Oh, yeah. And your juice shop, without a sign out front or anything, was across, like, the road. Yep, Arapaho Road, Richardson. And you guys came in to, like, do sample testing. Yeah. And that's how I had first tried your product. That's so wild. Uh, I remember that we met through fitness. I could remember that it was at CrossFit. Yeah. Uh, wow. So yeah, you know how like anything is, you start meeting people and people are so kind. If you're listening to this and, and you're an entrepreneur, like just put yourself out there. Yeah. You start telling people, hey, I've got this product. I want to sell it. I mean, our first places that we really like got traction, one of them was at a salon where mm-hmm. we would just go in. I would literally bring a cooler into the salon and just sell to all the patrons and the stylist. And everything just kind of grows from there. The CrossFit gyms, all the gyms, meeting people like you, um, who, you know, 10 years later on a podcast. It's really cool. I actually remember you coming to the kitchen because the kitchen was literally just made to produce tons of juice. And then we drive out and I'm like, oh, this isn't, this doesn't look like a sexy juice bar or something. Uh, You were probably one of the few patrons that ever came into the kitchen. Which, by the way, that kitchen now is uh, La Casita Bakery now. Which is an awesome bakery, yeah. Another great Dallas company. Interesting. I've been through that area, but I didn't realize that it was now a bakery. I'll have to go visit it. Yeah, you should. It's a great bakery. So you were producing juices out of there, and I remember you were doing a lot of runs, maybe. I don't know if this was for me seclusively. (laughs) This is just how your business was ran at the time before you had gotten into Central Market. I think, if I remember right, that was one of your biggest deals that you had landed at the time. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, you're right. I was constantly around the Metroplex. I mean, everywhere I was doing, it was, it was a time in our career where it was like, you don't say no. Mm -hmm. Right. So if someone says, Hey, I want a personal home delivery every week and they are in like Midlothian and you're in Richardson you just make it happen. Right. So that was happening a lot. Just trying to drum up business and figure out what the direction was, because I think a little bit of naivety is good for an entrepreneur because you kind of just go after it. Mm-hmm. And we were definitely at that point with consumer packaged goods of, of how do we even get this on a shelf or, mm-hmm. or what do we do? And you get a lot of no's. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So getting past the no's, which I, I suppose is any career, is you just got to be committed. And, and if you believe in it, it, it will eventually uh, unfold a path. Yeah. So, so yeah, to your point, lots of deliveries, people like you. I mean, I had, if I search farmer's market or... CrossFit in my mm-hmm. phone. I mean, so many people pop up that I had met and was delivering to. It was a fun time. I don't know that I could ever do it again. <laughs> <laughs> like I remember one time, uh, so I had myself and like three employees, of course, my wife, Haley, her cousin was working for us at the time. <laughs> we got a call from the Omni. It was a mutual connection. And he was like, Hey, can you, can you produce me? I can't remember the exact number. Let's just call it 500 gallons of juice. It was an absurd amount of juice. Jeez. And we're sitting there and like, when do you need this? He's like, uh, day after tomorrow. We're like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. You know, we have like this one machine. <laughs> and so we're there for like 24 hours. Like, what are we doing? But those kind of uh, decisions early on and whatever you're doing, they they do bear fruit in the end. Yeah. So 
No, I remember y'all at that time. Like, it was like you and a couple people in the kitchen, and y'all was like, are you okay? Because you looked exhausted. And you're like, I've been up for like three days straight. I still look exhausted, juice, right? But it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, you first off, let's talk about how you landed Central Market as being one of your first actual customers because yeah. that's no easy feat for anyone. Yeah. Um, and by the way, Central Market has been a, a great just, you know, I don't know if partner is the right word, but they've been mm-hmm. a great uh, a great supplier, friend, store, whatever. Um, I think that was in 2015 that we officially landed them, looks like nine years ago. Um, kind of how that happened was Haley and myself had a passion for let's get this in athlete's hands. We both played a lot of sports growing up uh, through college, and we were like, man, why – Cold pressed juice, like why is it not in more athletic facilities? Yeah. You know, if if you ever played like at a, a D one school, I mean, you, you you leave the strength and conditioning facility, they're shoving muscle milks. I'm sure right. it's different now, but back then it's like muscle milks in your bag, all this stuff. And so we we're like, why, why is cold pressed juice uh, not in that kind of arena? I met with an unnamed. I'll leave the university unnamed. So we were, how do we get in? And we had kind of found out that a lot of these places, you you can't just say, okay, I'm this is a juice for SMU or whoever. Right. Uh, right. There's a lot of licensing involved and all that. And so we didn't really know how to navigate that. Anyways, I remember meeting with this university, a local university, and I met with the nutritionist. And I said, you know, we give this pitch. It'd be really easy to make this color of juice. Here's why it'd be great, blah, blah, blah. And she looked at me and she goes, you, I'm not making this up. She goes, you should quit what you're doing and get an effing job. This is dumb. And I was like, Oh, I was like, okay. This is a professor, someone at the school. It was the uh, street, like the sports nutritionist, and okay. I was like, oh, I was like, well, a simple no would have sufficed. Anyways, long story short, we ended up doing a deal with SMU, and that's where what now is the Pony Ride Juice used gotcha. to be the Pony Up Juice. Yes. Um, at the time, there was a strength coach there, Coach True. I don't know where he's at now, but he was he was really progressive, and he was like, can you make a carrot beet pineapple juice? And tart cherry. And I remember thinking that day, I was like, oh, I can make SMU red with that mm. just from the color wheel. We made like this SMU red juice. And to this day, it's probably still our most popular juice. And that was kind of, to answer your question, long way to get there. That was kind of where the whole central market thing really took off. Because at the time, you're, these stores like your product, but they only do resets yeah. a certain amount of time. But if all of a sudden you walk in the door and you say, hey, like, look at this SMU juice. Yeah. They're like, oh, this is so cool. Right. And it, it had the pony on it. It was it was really a neat product. Yeah. You can find it on our old Instagram pictures a long time ago. That's cool. I yeah. do. I think I've seen that, and I didn't realize the connection it had to that, but that makes sense. Yeah, and it was a lot of product, man. I still get athletes that, like, will be in tribal, and they'll they'll be like, oh, my gosh, I used to be on the swim team at SMU, and I would take these home my gym bag because we, we would give tons of products and shots. We'd do carrot shots, ginger shots, mm-hmm. bee shots. It was It was a good time. Yeah. That's awesome. So when you were originally driving through Oak Cliff, well, you were living in Florida, but had the potential to move here. Did you know, like, was that your initial idea? I want to open up a brick and mortar restaurant and juice bar, or were you focused on just the juices and producing them in Bridgerton? Like, did you know that you wanted to open up the restaurant immediately? So we were always on the brick and mortar side. And to answer your question, yeah, we thought that it would be uh, at the time, because juice had become such a, a part of our lifestyle, mm-hmm. we wanted a place that, for lack of a better word, did not feel uh, clinical. Okay. Um, 
a, a lot of these places that have like healthier vibes, I, I tread lightly to even use the word healthy, but it, it's very like medicinal uh-huh. and it's like, uh, it doesn't have a lot of life, a lot of soul. Um, and so we were like, man, like let's, let's open a place that has the hospitality side that really connects with people and juice is a big part of it, but it's not really just super boxed up in a niche of like, this is clean living or this is this. Um, it just kind of is. Yeah. And so that was our goal. It just wasn't really happening. And then we were like, Hey, let's, <laughs> we got this bright idea to start a store line of juices. And that's how the whole exhaustion process of finding a kitchen, converting yeah. it into a juice kitchen. That was all just a byproduct of young, eager entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And it worked out. And honestly, we would have never had the spot in Bishop Arts had we not have launched the company Yeah, because the landlord that was doing all of uh, everywhere down there. Um, the area where we're at, you know, it's very bustling and, and it's a great vibe. We never would have met that landlord had we not have launched the juice company. He, it was kind of our credibility. He was already drinking our juice and, mm-hmm. and different things like that. So it was kind of a, a foot in the door, so to speak. Yeah. That's awesome. Very cool. Why juices? You said like that was such a strong part of your life for so long and living in Florida. And I mean, I will say that Florida and California specifically live a healthier lifestyle in those states than part of the world does, uh, at least in the United States. But why juices? Like why not just healthier food? What made you be so consumed by juice? Man, that's a good question. I think I think it was probably a combination of um, not really knowing what juice actually was. Mm. You know, growing up, like you'll be in a gas station and there's a yeah a brisk iced tea <laughs> beverage that says brisk juice. Yeah, <laughs> and you're like, oh, juice, and you you drink all these juices. So I say a combination of not knowing it, what it was, and then trying something and being like, oh wow, like this tastes really good mm-hmm. and it's really beautiful and, mm-hmm. and it makes me feel awesome. And then just diving into that, my, so beet, apple, lime, ginger, that's my favorite juice that we have. I, I mean, there was a period in my life where I was drinking it twice a day, you know, like just nonstop. I mean, I would make 32 ounce Mason jars and just drink it. Yeah. I guess like anything else, it was just kind of discovering something and really liking it because I mean, it was even like just talking to people about it, like, oh yeah, just starting a juice company. Like, what do you mean? It was a cold press juice. Well, yeah. what's cold press? And there's just so much language and knowledge around what's a concentrate, what's not. And so I think that whole world was just fun to kind of unfold. Right. Absolutely. So you started the juice company, then you got the location because of the juice company in Bishop Arts. Still have that today. That opened up in 2018, correct? Yeah. So we probably were ready to open in 2017. I think we were a little ahead of the the build out. We were kind of on an island there for a long time, as you know. <laughs> so yeah, we didn't get open until 2018 with the city. And then, yeah, so what, that's coming up on six years this month, actually. Wow. Like in a week. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah. Congratulations. That's no easy feat to open up a restaurant, first off, especially in a state that you were still relatively new to. And then taking that through the pandemic, still being successful with it, and then opening up future restaurants after that. Yeah. So that's (laughs) incredible. So give us a little bit of rundown of what your vision was for that restaurant and for someone that's new walking in, what that looks like. Yeah. So I think that our vision was to always have, so first off, Haley, my wife, uh, she takes a lot of 
pride in her Native American roots. And so I, I think coming up with a brand name. Is that where the TP yeah, yeah, logo yeah. came from? Okay. Uh, like the brand name and the logo behind anything that anyone's doing, it's a really hard thing to mm-hmm. do. Um, at the time when we had launched the juice company, uh, we were really trying to do, you know, how, how do we come up with the name for this and, and what do we do? Because we didn't, well, like I said, we didn't want it to be like, cleanse your body like yeah. something like that yeah. with a, a really low ceiling we we had just actually just went to like a tribal like festival in oklahoma and we were like tribal and then well well it'll be your your bike tribe or you know your workout tribe whatever yeah. um and so to your point of that's how the restaurants was supposed to feel is like we always wanted a place that was very inclusive cheers sometime you want to go just that kind of vibe um I think the hospitality is really important and how you treat people and, you know, remembering your guests, just, you know, basic cliches like that. But that's, I think that what's around the restaurant in terms of the food or the juice or the product, all that, of course, needs to be great. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, there's a lot of mediocre to bad concepts that do really well with really bad food and and really bad drink. and, you know, that could be due to a lot of things, location. Uh, and for us, we were always like, we just want a place that you feel home. And I, th- I remember we wrote down this sentence that was like, we want a tribe that doesn't look tribal. Mm-hmm. And I mean, tribal in the literal sense of yeah. like all the same homogenous people. Yeah. So. I love that. And I don't think I've ever actually told you this. I obviously had seen your juices from having them when you first started and knew your logo. So you were talking about your wife created you know, this whole branding element and how important it is. I mean, it really is because I saw that 10 years ago from your juice bottles and then saw an article before I I didn't even live in Dallas. I think I still lived in Richardson at the time, Um, but saw a Dallas article of this new restaurant and new concept opening up, which was your restaurant. And I knew it by the logo. I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) this has to be Britain's restaurant. I was like, where do I know this logo from? And then it like hit me and I was like, this has to be Britain's because I knew that logo and although it was, you know, a different name, like different full name, I should say, the logo itself remained the same and I knew it was tied to you and I was like, oh, that's so cool. I really appreciate that. Uh, But yeah, I think the branding piece is, is very, very important. And I think that, you know, it's, it's always okay to Mm rebrand and to change the direction or shift. Like, I mean, we've had a lot of, not a ton of different versions of like our juice labels and different things like that, but the more that I'm in entrepreneurship, the more I realize that it feels really serious, but yeah. you can always redirect. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a great point to make because a lot of people think that if I do change something, then everything I've worked so hard for is going down the drain. And it's like, that's not true. Like if your character remains true and your brand loyalty remains true and the aspects that you're putting into it and that quality, your loyal customers are going to be there regardless. It's like sure. you're able to pivot and adjust as needed. Yeah. It, it always feels a little heavier than it is Yeah, when, you know, cause you, you feel like, like you said, you feel like it could, it could have catastrophic events right. for your, for your brand or whatever, but yeah. yeah, that's awesome. And I will commend you for exactly what you were saying of like, this is a place that we want you to bring your tribe. I know no better restaurant in Bishop Arts personally than everyone going there after a black swan yoga class <laughs> and everyone brings their tribe there. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, thanks for saying that there was a, we always joke around some of the customers and I, there was a period of time, uh, like circa 2019 where 
and maybe in in the COVID too, once we got the doors back open, it felt like a sitcom yeah. because I mean, you would walk in there and everybody knew everybody. And if they didn't know Still everybody, feels like that, honestly. Yes, it does. Yeah, you're right. Um, and they would meet new people. Nothing makes me happier than when people tell me they met at tribal. I mean, yeah. and we've seen people that met there on their first date. They're married now. I've got customers that when I met them at a farmer's market in 2014, they now have like six kids and they had none then. <laughs> so awesome. yeah, that's all fun. Very cool. I have a random kind of off the wall question, but Tribal is a very local spot for me to bring friends to when I have friends that come in town and they want to come to Dallas to eat, of course. So that's usually one of my go-to restaurants to bring my people to. And it recently happened. I had two good friends in town, one from Kansas City and one from Milwaukee. And we went to a yoga class and then went to Tribal after that. And there was something on the menu and my friend ordered an espresso martini, but it said Fuego. And she was like, is this, an, is this a hot espresso martini? Like, I've never seen a hot espresso martini. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I've, I said the same thing. I was like, I've never seen one. But I was like, why is it called Fuego? Um, it was, it's actually called Fuego because of the liqueur in it. It's, okay. it's, the liqueur is called Fuego. Um, and I actually think the liqueur is made in Austin. Um, it's, Interesting. Yeah, it's like uh, corn, coffee, and sugar is like all that's in the liqueur. Okay. It tastes just like coffee. Interesting. No, yeah. I was just curious. I was like, I was like, are you going to get served a hot <laughs> espresso martini? She's like, too, yeah. I don't know, but we'll find out. Be, yeah, that might not be good. Well, whenever, uh, I, if my memory serves me correctly, you know, when you have, um, uh, if you're a bar manager or you've ever managed a restaurant, you know, you, no shade to the reps, but you've got all these reps coming in and they're trying to get on your menu. I remember Fuego, I think it was like a, I'm probably answering, giving way too much information for this, but um, this guy came in, he's a rep, and he had Fuego coffee liqueur. And I tried it, and I was like, this is awesome. He's like, can we get it on the menu? And I was like, oh, sure. He's like, I'll buy you the XYZ. I'm like, okay, great. Put it on the menu. Um, so I think it always just stayed that way. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's super funny. Good question. No, I saw it on the menu, and I was <laughs> like, so is this a first? Are we going to get served a hot espresso martini? Let's jump into now you having this concept written by the seasons, and – opening another one later this year. I had the privilege of going there a few months back for the first time, and it is absolutely phenomenal. I don't think there's anything better than like a fresh restaurant that has a seasonal menu that you can go to time and time again, and it'd be different. So what was the idea for that concept? How did you manage that? How do you manage multiple restaurants at one time? Mm. So lots to unpack there. Let's start with managing multiple places at one time. That comes down to the people that you hire yeah. and then your ability to train them and then your ability to retain them. Employee retention has been something that we've, we've been very fortunate um, at being good at, I guess. Uh, what do you think your key is there? Because I think out of anybody I've interviewed, that's been their hardest obstacle is employer retention. So I think obviously buy-in factor is a big one. And I think you've got to be authentic with that. Mm. I think that, I, don't, I think that people take for granted just sitting down and talking with a staff member for 30 minutes, even an hour, and really just discussing with them just what they want. You know, for me, I always like to say, I don't necessarily sit down with a lot of staff members that we hire anymore. I, I usually see them a little later on in the process. I remember my, when I got my first job as a manager and I was thinking, how am I going to do this? 
And how do I, how do I keep the staff and how do I make, for me, everything comes to how does I, how do I make my job easier? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, if I can just know their motives, it will make my job easier. Yeah. So to me, the one of the biggest things is, well, why are you working here? Mm-hmm. And to me, the application from an employer or a management, like a manager is way different if, you know, Gina, maybe you're working here because you're trying to save up for a new bike for Christmas. Yeah. Or maybe you're working here because you want to be in the hospitality industry. Or maybe you just need more money. All three of those things to me kind of require a different style of management. And I think that that can allow you to see the staff member for what they are and then meet them at a place that's probably better for them. Uh, I think that that leads to retention. And then just creating a a culture of uh, it doesn't beat you down. Like, so uh, there's a quote I like. It's it's not the labor that kills, but the daily attritions of life. Mm. Um, I, I don't know who said it, but, you know, I remember whenever I was a server, for instance, I go to my manager and I say, hey, I'd request it off like two months prior. Yeah. And he, he's like, uh, oh, you can't have that day off. And I'm like, it's a, it's a family member's wedding. I, right. I've requested off two months before. Leading up to the, to the week that I was supposed to, to have off, he's like, well, hey, look, we don't have any coverage. And I was like, yeah, but I'm not going to miss this life event. Yeah. And I always, I always tell our staff, like, we don't want to make you miss a life event for an hourly job. Yeah. Because you're just not, you're going to come up with a bad attitude. Yep. Or you're not going to show up. And then yeah. we're going to be in a worse position. Right. Then we're going to get mad at you. And this, the whole cycle yeah. begins. And my manager was like, you got to come in. I go, okay, well, I'm going to be hungover and I'm going to look like crap because I'm going to go to the wedding the night before. Yeah. I'm going to drive all the way here. It was out of town. I showed up the next day at shift and my manager was like, what are you doing? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you need to go home. Your eyes are red. And I was like, why well, was at a wedding till like 3 a.m. last night? I told you all of this. Yeah. He goes, go home. I was like, we could have saved all of this if you just cut me. That makes me so <laughs> mad right now. And I was not even in that position. Like, you telling me this is making my blood like boil. <laughs> so I think taking those lessons and then applying them because everyone's worked somewhere where they're like, Hey, if I did this, it wouldn't be this way. Mm-hmm. But I think actually doing that is quite different. You know, one of the things that at tribal and written that is kind of hitting a fever pitch for me right now, that is a problem that I'm trying to work through is I've always had a policy of like, within reason, we don't decline request off ever. So, that can lead to a lot of, you know, yeah. moving chess pieces around, yeah. but it com- it stems from what the story I just told yeah. you of just like, you know, if you're going to go to a Taylor Swift concert, you shouldn't have to sit here and worry right. that you're going to lose this hourly job. Yeah. I think retaining the staff is really important. And, and I, I don't know if I'm being clear on how you do that, but I think it's really just spending time with people mm-hmm. and, and getting their trust and this, this genuine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it definitely can't come from an inauthentic place. Right. And then letting them know why they're, they're there. I think that, a lot of places, it seems to me that I worked, didn't really want to, they didn't really focus on the hospitality side of things. It was more about the sales of, you know, hey, like push this item, do this, do that. And I always tell our staff, like, be a human. Like, like that's it. Everything else kind of falls into place. Mm-hmm. And I think that that transcends into the culture of like the staff members uh, treating each other that way. We've had a lot of great staff members over the years. Rosemary, for instance, I'm sure you know at Tribal, she's been with us since 2017. And I don't think we have anyone that's under a year in tenure right now wow. at both places. And how many staff members do you have with both restaurants combined? Oh, I'd probably say about 30. Okay. Yeah a good amount so you asked me about sorry you asked about management and then the concept 
so Haley and myself definitely had always envisioned that we would have multiple concepts. Mm-hmm. I think maybe to an outsider, it may look like, oh, you just decided to do this. But we were always like, we're going to do multiple entrepreneurial things and, and concepts. or uh, And we just had the opportunity at the space that we're at now at Ridden. And we thought that would be a great place to do this concept that we wanted to do, which was really poetic in nature by name. The, our question was, you know, is it, is it chef driven? Is it, we, people had kind of associated us with veganism, even though neither one of us are vegan. And, um, so it was like, what are we going to do? And Haley came up with this awesome name written by the seasons. It's like, well, naturally the menu is going to fluctuate with the seasons, Mm -hmm. which is a little wonky in Texas. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Getting the space was key. And then having an environment that, you know, we always say it's elegance without the formality, Mm -hmm. you know, like you should feel comfortable walking in from a black swan yoga class written by the seasons. But also if you want to come there on Friday night and you're dolled up, you should feel great too. Right. Try to avoid any like, you know, pretentiousness, which can be hard. Mm. You know, I I wouldn't call us fine dining, but we're definitely at that threshold from a price point. Um, Sometimes the diners can be a little on the pretentious side, which doesn't bode well sometimes. Yeah. How do you deal with that? That's a good question. Like, has there been an actual scenario where someone's gotten upset by that or maybe caused some issues Yeah, where you the, had to address it? These may be my famous last words. And I tell my staff this, it's, you know, you always hear the customer's always right in yeah. retail. And I always say the customer's wrong 99.9% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what I mean by that isn't that they're actually wrong it's, it's just that they don't have the proper expectations. Mm-hmm. And so I think that if you set those expectations for the guest, then that will lead to a scenario where they will understand where you're coming from yeah. where, and you'll understand where they're coming from. But there's really a scenario where, you know, like for instance, you can have a situation where someone says, uh, you know, Hey, th- this piece of meat's too salty right. or, or whatever, or this, this falafel is baked incorrectly. Yeah. And if you take it to the maker of it, the chef or the person that made it, or, you know, we taste it. Oh, that's great. We'll taste is subjective, you know, whatever. You don't stop there. Mm-hmm. You got to go to the customer and say, hey, look, uh, we'd love to get you something else. This is how the steak's supposed to take, taste though. Yeah. Right? Because what you don't want is them leaving, coming back, trying the item again or, or right. whatever. You want to set that precedent and get them something. And that starts on the front end of, of speaking with people, guiding them. What do they like? Yeah. A specific example, there's lots of specific examples, I would say. I think as long as you work through it with the guest, it, it, it usually tends to come out right. You will have very unhappy people, but if you just talk to them, most of the time, they, I mean, they're going to level out. Yeah. Is that something that you yourself handle if you're in a restaurant or it's your a good servers question. handle? It kind of depends. Depends on the seriousness of the situation. People, I don't think, realize what happens in restaurants, mm-hmm. the things that you come across, I mean, from people locking themselves in restrooms to people, you know, getting sick during yeah. the dining service, people needing an EpiPen, like yeah. there's just so many different variables happening. Mm-hmm. So the hard part about it is understanding there's a situation to begin with for, for whatever reason. And this is, a, I would say a very hard part of managing um, people and, and places is there's this fear that if the guest is upset or the food is incorrect or whatever, I can't tell someone, right? And 
we're like, no, no, if you give us a, that's what we're here for. Um, myself or the manager, give us a problem to solve. We'll go right. solve it. So it really depends on the situation. Um, if I'm working the floor, for instance, at, at Written by the Seasons or Tribal, and I see something happen, I'll try to get to the bottom of it immediately. But sometimes you just kind of pick up on someone's vibe and you'll say, you know, hey, Gina, go check on that table. What's up? And usually the, the Gina of the scenario is going to be like, oh, they're fine. And you're like, right. are they fine? Yeah. They'll come back. They're like, oh, they're not fine. And then you, you kind of figure out, do I need to go over there? Because what you don't want to do is, uh, for lack of a better verbiage, you don't want to necessarily be the first on scene. Because there may be another layer. Yeah, because you're the last. <laughs> yes. So if you use all of your use all your cards in one yeah. one play, you're uh, screwed. Oh, I remember when when written first opened, um, because I was I was waiting on so many tables. Same with tribal. I mean, like I was in that sucker like nonstop. Yeah. Um, there was a point where like I would I was seriously people would say, hey, "Are you the owner?" Like, no, I just work here. <laughs> because you're like, you know, I, uh, I'm just, no, I just, I'm just a barista. I've, I've actually read like numerous entrepreneurs that have had that experience too. But yeah. So to answer your question, it, it really depends. I mean, and then you've got to know, like I said, when to set the guest expectation and when also you have to know if it's credible. I'm mm-hmm. joking about the guest being 99.9% wrong. Um, when they're right, or if they complain, you have to know, you have to first like just stop and say, is this credible? Yeah. And if it's credible, then you got to figure out a solution. Right. Um, and then when you figure out the solution, you know, it's all problems are solvable, it seems. Yeah. And then some people just, you know, you can't, you can't fix everything. You can't please everyone. So you naturally, you're going to, you're going to lose some battles. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, I love that we're talking about this because I feel like a lot of stuff that's happens on the daily basis in the rent restaurant industry or hospitality industry for that matter, just kind of like swept under the rug and pretends that doesn't ever happen. But it's like, these are real problems that people need to hear how to solve or how to address better or how to tread more lightly in whatever it is. And I appreciate you drawing back the curtain on those and actually yeah. sharing real life experiences because everyone does deal with that and it makes us feel a little less crazy when situations like that really do happen. Well, and if you, if you have a, a situation where the staff feels, and this goes back to the management side of things, if they feel like they're going to be in trouble, mm-hmm. which is, which is an odd thing to begin with, right? Like I'm in trouble. Uh, so we're really big on like, look, there's no principal's office here. There is no trouble. Yeah. There's just accountability and there's doing your job and there's not anything outside of that is just a personal thing. You're making mm-hmm. it about you. You, you right. don't want to make this guest feel this type of way, or you yeah. don't want to say this. Um, so if you can get past that, uh, which is a hard thing to get past. And as if the group together does it, the problems tend to take care of themselves because usually someone steps in and solves it as opposed to worrying about the problem mm-hmm. and kind of trying to put it under the rug, so to yeah. speak. Yeah. So you're opening up a second written by the seasons at the end of this year. Is that correct? Yeah. And that's an uptown? <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been thinking about the timeline here. I think it's going to open hopefully in Q4 this year, like, like, or like early fall. Yeah. And yeah, it's going to be in the quadrangle, uh, which is like a new development over there. Mm-hmm. Lots of office space. Um, there's a good company uh, with the other restaurants there. Uh, we'll be right next to Two Hands. And yeah, so that's, that's exciting. Are you prepped to manage the third one? <laughs> Like, how do you feel about that? Uh, yeah. So I think 
back to your management question is if you have a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, that's very mm-hmm. important. And so I think that a lot of entrepreneurs get stuck in this, especially like if you have like a little coffee shop, like tribal, like mm-hmm. a little coffee cafe, you're there and these problems feel like they have to be solved by you. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're going to be fixed and you're going to be in that cafe and you're just going to be there, then yeah, you should solve it. Mm-hmm. If you're going to grow, though, then you need to replicate yourself in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, shout out to Rosemary um, at Tribal. She, she's done such a great job of, so to speak, carrying myself and Haley's heart of how to handle customers and interactions. Um, but that takes so much work on the front end with a staff member. Yeah. Uh, it's just like anything else. I mean, if you start working out in the gym, you're not going to see results right away. Mm-hmm. You might six months from then. Yeah. So to answer your question about the second written, can the first written operate without myself. Right. Right. That's a big question. Right. And, and I think sometimes guests might get confused or, or partners or, or whatever. Cause they're like, well, you're here 24 hours a day. And all of a sudden you're not there for like two weeks. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I'm there. I'm having meetings. I'm going over things. I'm closely monitoring things, yeah. but I'm trying to replicate it for, so it can manage itself. Right. Yeah. What's next after this one opens, what's like your long-term vision? What's like your dream more concepts, something completely different off the wall? Yeah. Uh, so I, I get hit up a lot about all the questions you're asking. I really enjoy sitting down and taking time and talking to people. And I, th- I feel like we have really good manuals that we've created and and messaging to staff members and creating an environment that everyone feels great at. I, I would love to consult in, in ways. That's, that's something that I've, I've started doing a little bit on the side, but you know, so many people that hit me up are like friends or they're in the industry. Yeah. They know you, they're like, Hey, how do you do this? How do you do yeah. this? But you hit a point where you're like, okay, well, I can only have so many coffees. Keep <laughs> <Right. laughs> <laughs> out a lot of free advice here. Yeah. Uh, so I'd like to do that. I really enjoy teaching people. So I love training staff. I'm actually really excited about um, the written quad because my favorite part of the concept is getting it off the ground. Yeah. Um, that's just, to me, just, it's pure exhilaration. It's adrenaline. You, you've got all these people that are excited, training them, uh, and then watching it all happen uh, is is really fun. We're definitely going to do more writtens. We'd love to do more tribals. It, it seems that the things that have unfolded for us have kind of been more organic. There's been so many times that we've thought, oh, well, we're going to open a location here. We're going to open a new tribal at this location. And then we push and we push and it, the door is just shut in your yeah. face. And then there's other opportunities. Like, like I said, when written, we got the opportunity to that space and we were like, now's our time to do a dinner concept. Yeah. We should do it. We have a hospitality group, myself, Haley, my wife, and then Trip Russ. He's, he's a partner of mine. And um, that's separate from tribal and tribal juice. And so we plan on doing different concepts with that hospitality group. And then tribal, we, we plan on growing as well. I'd love to do something off the wall. I, I've, I've toyed with a lot of concepts. Uh, like what? Throw one out. Oh, man. Um, I had this one with a buddy that we were going to do where uh, it, was, it was actually like a little bit bigger than this room and had this great, is an end cap in a very odd area of Dallas and is just, just glass. And I, I was talking with the landlord. The landlord was totally in on the idea. It had this really historical backing, though, with this cool door on the the south side of it that was really like 1930s or something. The door had always remained intact. So we we're going to do a speakeasy in the back and in the front, it was going to be just stupid like art that was uh, performative art that was kind of a bit 
but really try to build it up. Like, I mean, it was just stupid stuff. Not, not to knock on performative art. I love it. Uh, we were just like, Hey, let's always do a bit here. Like, you know, someone stand in the thing with the lampshade on their head yeah. for 24 hours or something and sell tickets yeah. to it. And then, um, the speakeasy side of it was going to be super, super low key, but yeah, that's just like hobby that's projects. Cool. Dallas doesn't have anything like that. <laughs> we need, we do need some more creative, uh, influences out there. Yeah. Concepts. So just random passion projects like that. I'd love to have, uh, a live music venue of some sort. Um, always been a passion of mine. Uh, but you know, I, I don't know. We'll see. That's awesome. Do you think anything outside of Dallas? Yeah, I actually think we're going to do a written by the seasons uh, in Bentonville, Arkansas. Okay. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, I need to add it to my list. I've like created a whole list of things for people to do in Bentonville. <laughs> no way. That one will be on there. <laughs> Are you serious right now? <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. What kind of advice would you give to people that want to jump into hospitality or potentially open up a restaurant? Mm. Like you said, there's a lot of things that you don't think of when going into it that. I think for me, like one of the biggest questions I get asked is, you know, are you a chef? Mm -hmm. uh, no, I'm not. Um, Haley uh, is a raw food chef. So that really helped with the tribal side, even though we don't do a ton of raw food. But I think that early on in my career and people would ask me that I'd almost get like insecure, like, oh, I'm supposed to be a chef. And in reality, a lot of, chef driven restaurants that are owned by chefs, they don't, they don't do very well. Mm -hmm. Uh, they're missing that hospitality piece, that front of house yep. you know, mojo. And a lot of my mentors, people I know in the industry definitely weren't chefs and, and they just went after it in, in the hospitality side purely and then figured out the food or the concept or whatever. I don't want to take away from the food because the food is everything. It's a super, it's a very important piece. And at written, we've been super blessed to have two great chefs there, uh, Dennis Kelly and Melody Bishop. They are phenomenal, highly underrated. I think that I would just tell that person, if you, if you want to do it for sure work in the industry, because it is, a, it is a unique industry with a lot of different people from a lot of different walks of life. Yeah. And I'm assuming that this person has already worked in it. So then I would say, start trying to get your eyes on, it. you know, if, if you're working in a restaurant or, you know, a friend that has a restaurant, start asking them to see behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Can I see a profit and loss st statement? Can I see like your vendor list? Can I see what's going, like, how do you, how do you make all this happen? Because I think that you take for granted, like for instance, this podcast, I mean, there's a lot going on here. Mm -hmm. it, it, it probably doesn't seem like it to you because you do it so much. You learn these things over the years that they all kind of build up into this, you know, knowledge database in your head that you don't remember the beginning of like, oh, it was a big deal to find my vendor for yeah. X. So I would just start doing that stuff and start having conversations about it. Because if my wife and I always say, if you want to do anything, like make it real. Yeah. And that can be as simple as writing it down on a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. Just like, hey, I'm going to go open this restaurant next year, blah, blah, blah. And then you just start talking about it. And then it starts to be just unfold a little more and more. In terms of ret restaurant, that's a little more philosophical, I would say. Make it real. In terms of specificity is location, location, location. I mean, it's a cliche for a reason. I would say the other thing is you, you had mentioned the word pivoting earlier when we were talking about branding. I think the hours of how and when you operate, that was always a, a really tough one to figure out mm. and allow yourself some grace and, and be okay to pivot yeah. on what times you're open. Yeah. And then for instance, at Tribal, I mean, we did, we were open to like 10 at one point, then nine. 
And then we hit a point where we were like, man, we can, we're not going to lose that much revenue if we cut the dinner service. Yeah. It was like, but what we can do is we can be way more efficient because we don't have to have a second staff group come in and we can focus more on our, our staff that's here in the busy time. Yeah. And it fixed a lot of hiring issues. And that really came about during COVID because it was like, well, shoot, now everybody gets great hours. No yeah. one's asking for hours and you don't have to hire that second wave of people. Right. So I think just being okay to pivot, uh, even on the concept, because look, when tribal opened, you asked the question, what was it supposed to be? I thought it was we had glass growlers of juice in there. <clears throat> Every day we'd have like a different juice. We had like these old school fountains where you could see through. I thought that that was going to be the thing. Like I thought people would come in, buy the growlers of juice, come, come back, they get a dollar off, get it refilled. No. And so it was like, we had this plan within like two years for it to be a sit down cafe that people wanted to hang out in. Mm -hmm. It was within like three months. We're like, <laughs> we got to change. <laughs> these people want to sit down. They're, they're not because we, we we had so many like we had a big fridge that's now seating, and it was full of grab and go items. And the neighborhood was just not doing it. Yeah. So if you if you have a location in mind, if you're out there listening and, and you think you want to go there, maybe drive to the location at different times of the day. Maybe spend your entire day down there, see what the neighborhood's like. Mm -hmm. If I could go back in time, I, I would have skipped that whole grab and go se section yeah. because that neighborhood's not about that. Yeah. The owners mm -hmm. of Ben and Jerry's sat in front of their first store location, their first brick and mortar store. And they had an ideal location planned out and they sat there with like a clicker and clicked how many people came past in a 24 hour period. Wow. And they're like, this isn't it. Like, this isn't as many people as we expected. So they found another location, and that's what they ended up becoming their first brick and mortar and was very successful because they sat there, both locations, for 24 hours and saw what had the more foot traffic and took that location. So That's awesome. Location is definitely key. key, for sure. Well, for the sake of time, let's jump into the jar question. Oh, yeah. If you don't mind opening that up and pulling out the mint green question. This is a fun Fun little bit. It is. I know. I need to get a bigger jar. We're about to run out of room. Who gave you a chance to succeed when no one else would? Who gave you a chance to succeed when no one else would? That's a tough one. These are deep. This could be in your personal life or this could be within business, entrepreneurship. I think you got to go mom, right? <laughs> is there a certain scenario that comes to mind when you answer that? Uh... You know, I think that um, a lot of entrepreneurial ventures or, or life, uh, it, whether you're going to apply for a new job or you're playing a sport, it comes down to confidence in yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that the world will constantly tell you why you shouldn't do something. Yeah. I mean, you will be doing it and they'll be mm -hmm. telling you why you shouldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the juice jugs. I remember... We had cut the juice jugs and customers were like, hey, you know what you guys should do? You should have like glass juice jugs here. I'm like, yeah, I know. Um, so I guess the world's going to tell you why you can't do something. And so whenever you do it, it's not going to be good enough. You know, what's the quote? If I could walk on water, they'd tell me I couldn't swim or something like that. The criticism's always going to be there. The chance to succeed, I think, really comes down to belief in yourself. Mm -hmm. And I would say for me... That probably, when I look at it, comes from, like, my family. So you got to start with mom. That's why I chose that because, yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember even, like, just in sports growing up, I mean, the confidence around what it is of your abilities. Yeah. 
despite what maybe one coach may say to you. I think Patrick Mahomes is a perfect example, not to go too off the wall here. Everybody knows he's incredible, Mm -hmm. but I think given a different coach and a different team, he may never even see the field. He may be bottled up and in a different system that someone doesn't allow him to express himself or throw like he does, try to change who he is. I think if you got good family, so I'd have to go with mom, mom and family. Yeah. Although sometimes they can keep you from succeeding too. (laughs) (laughs) They have to give their two cents in some things and yeah. (laughs) When you need to maybe push the brake a little bit. And and if I, if I chose the career route to answer that instead of life, I would probably say your realtor. Here's a perfect example. Yeah. I was going to say the people that allowed us to have a space and we had met with a lot of people and it wasn't happening. So yeah, Mm -hmm. that that's awesome. I, it's like you hear uh, a lot of entrepreneurs say this or actors. All it takes is one mm-hmm. you know, if, if you get one. Yeah, so. absolutely. That's a great reminder, too, for those that are currently struggling and trying to push through those no's to get to that one yes and that one open door. So thank you for that reminder. I have one more quick question because yeah. I'm genuinely curious. This could be in Dallas or it could be outside of Dallas because I'm a big foodie myself. What's your favorite restaurant? You had to go with one. Like, what's your go-to all the time? You never get tired of eating it. If you don't know what you feel like eating, that's your go-to. Feel that you're going to on a regular basis or you're drawn to on a regular basis. Mm. That's, a t- that's a tough one. One that you, like, if it was your birthday, yeah. you would want to go to. Mm, I'm going to go outside of Dallas. Okay. Uh, probably because, mainly because I don't want to offend anyone that I leave off the list. There was this restaurant that Haley and myself went to in Richmond, Virginia called Stella's. And they had this, a little sub store and then a wine shop. And I don't know if you've ever been to Richmond, Virginia, but so like Monuments Avenue, the streets are like so old and they're so wide and broad. And, you know, in most cities, zoning gets in the way of having a a really cool restaurant right in the Mm -hmm. middle of your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. But Stella's is right in the middle of this old historic neighborhood and the vibe and ambiance there of just like people walking out of their house on this fall evening. We were there in October and, and just walking to this neighbor, literally neighborhood yeah. restaurant. That was one of my favorite experiences in a restaurant. It was really fun. I'm going to put that on my list. Okay. Real quickly, as we wrap up, tell people how they can get in touch with you or maybe they have questions for you, want to get some inspiration, want to reach out to you directly. What's the best way to do that? Um, you could email my email. It's just my name, Brenton at written by the seasons.com written by the seasons.com. That, that seems to be a hard name for people to grasp. A lot of people are like, I thought it was written by the seasons. I know written. Um, so like you're writing, uh, it's probably in the podcast notes too. Other than that, DM uh, one of our social media accounts. If you just, you know, are pretty sp- specific, I'll eventually see it. Even if I don't see it first, one of my people that we work with will shoot it my way. I love it. Thank you so much. And if you guys don't already, go ahead and jump over to Instagram and follow Electric Theory Pod. Go ahead and subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast so that we can continue to have great guests come on the show like Britton produce new episodes every Wednesday. Britton, thank you so much for doing this today. It's been very fun to walk down your memory lane and hear all your tips and tricks on entrepreneurship and how to lead a great team, have great, beautiful concepts. Well, thanks for having me. And, um, it's crazy. Like you said, started with, we met a decade ago. So, you know, congrats to you on everything you got going. 
was another good day. We had another good day. And if you line up enough good days, fuck around, have a good life. <laughs>